remain standing. Open your King James Bible, please, to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John, way up by Revelation. First John chapter number two. First John chapter number two. After Hebrews, James, Peter, Peter, his other brother Peter, and John. I can't read your handwriting like that. John chapter number two. First John chapter number two. We'll read together. I'll read out loud. You read along with me. Verses number 15 and 16. 1 John, listen up. 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 15. Are we there? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For or because, here's the reason the love of the Father can't be. I'm not talking about salvation. Here's what he says. Here's the reason why you should not love the world or the things of the world. For all that's in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. So when you're in love with that, you fell out of love with the Lord. Okay, you follow me so far? Go to Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3, starting in verse number 1. Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 1. I'll read this. You follow along with me. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, the serpent did, and he said unto the woman, Hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch. She just added the scripture, didn't she? God never said that. Lest ye die. This, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Verse number six. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Father, thank you for the Bible. Let me help the people now in this series, so to speak, about marriages, husbands, wives, relationships like that. I pray that tonight we as men will pay attention. I fear we get caught up in things before we realize what's happening let me help them, please. I do not expect most of them will remember this as they at tonight. But my hope is as they go forward and something begins to happen, it's a little unexplainable, this will dawn on them, and maybe they will act in a proper fashion. Help me to help your people. I love you and thank you for this week and all that has taken place. Help us one more time tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to understand something here. Listen to me now. Help me with all the kids. I know some of, here's the problem that we have. Little kids been in the nursery. They're beating each other up. They're chewing on each other. Uh, they're doing all this. And then you say, you almost regret, oh, preacher, we've got to bring him to church now because he's not allowed in the toddlers anymore, right? And so you bring him here and you're just praying, oh, please don't see him in this. Uh, I've got Mateo over here who's trying his best to set him over on this side so daddy can see him. Eye contact. That's why kids go like this. When they out the corner of their eye, they can see you. Kids are sneaky. Don't you remember when you were a child? <laughs> oh, you don't remember that? Okay, yeah. How hard do you think it is for me? I want to talk to you about a most dangerous time. A most dangerous time. A problem that is estimated that 80% of men will go through. That's a large percentage. Normally it affects, listen, normally it affects men from the age of 30 to 60. Not all during that time, but sometime during that time. 
it will last anywhere from about three years to ten years, this problem that I'm talking about. So you need to listen to what I'm saying. Here's some of the characteristics. You search for an undefined dream or goal. You say, what's wrong with you? I don't know. What are you after? I'm not really sure. It's undefined. It's nothing specific, but they're searching for something. They're not really sure what that is. There's a deep sense of remorse for goals not accomplished. You feel real bad about, I didn't accomplish this, and I wanted to do that, and this didn't work out, and I'm still trying to do that. This is what they've run into. There's a fear of humiliation among more successful peers. When they get around other people they went to Bible college with or they went to OSU with or they went to high school with, all of a sudden they're running companies and you're working at McDonald's. And you feel really humiliated because in your estimation of you, you should have been running the country by now. You had big dreams and big goals about that. You desire to achieve a feeling of youthfulness all over again. You want to be young again. Listen to me very carefully. You need to spend more time alone or with certain peers. It's a very dangerous time. Listen to me very carefully. What's the behavior of this most dangerous time? Well... Abuse of alcohol or drugs, normally prescriptions. See, you're starting to hurt, and you don't want that. You want to still be able to do what you did when you were a teenager, but your body says no, so you take drugs, and and you start doing those kinds of things. Acquisition of unusual or expensive gifts, motorcycles, sports cars, clothing, jewelry, tattoos, that's the in thing now, piercings, anything that you think will help you feel younger, look younger. What happens here, you start going into depression. You're doing all these things to make yourself feel better, but you just keep getting more depressed. It's a very dangerous time. You're blaming, they start blaming themselves for their failures. Whether it's made up in their mind or it's real, they start blaming themselves. That's my fault. That didn't turn out right. And so now they get even more depressed all the time. They're paying special attention to their physical appearance. I mean obsessed with it. Covering up baldness. Wearing younger people's designer clothes. Tight, form-fitting jeans. Really, fellas? always like those guys that say, I wear the same size pants I did when I was 15. Yeah, but you're wearing them down around your thighs instead of over your belly now. You're obsessed with getting in shape, not just losing weight. I mean, you're obsessed with this. These are some of the things, some of the, some of the behavior. You enter into relationship with younger people, not just sexual, sometimes that is, but on a professional basis or a parental basis. You just have this obsession to be younger. You start placing more and more importance on your children, their success. You ever wonder why parents do that? Because vicariously, they're living through their children. He'll be the smartest kid in school, probably because you weren't. Or you thought you were, and he's going to do the same thing you did. And so we put a lot of unnecessary pressure on our children, vicariously living through them. We're actually being youthful through our children. Yeah, I remember when I used to run the bases like that. Now we roll through the bases. It's a most dangerous time in life. You say, preacher, what what exactly are you talking about? It's a phrase called midlife crisis. Midlife. It's a period of time. Let me give you a professional definition. This is not kidding. This is, this is a quote from a person. I'll tell you who this is in a minute. It's a period, I'm quoting, it's a period of personal emotional turmoil and coping with challenges that some people encounter when they reach middle age, accompanied by a desire 
for change in their lives, brought on by fears and anxiety about growing older. Some of you are just setting yourself, oh, no, I'm going to be 30. Oh, no, not 30, not the dreaded 30, not 30. When I'm reached 30, I'm an old person already. You're setting yourself up. And so you get these professional whack jobs that give you an excuse to be that way. Midlife crisis was introduced in 1965 at the turn by a psychoanalyst and a social scientist by the name of Elliot Jacquees. I think is the way you probably pronounce his name. You want to hear my definition? I know you did, so I wrote it down. A heightened sense of pride brought on by self-evaluation. I should be this by now, and I should have conquered that by now, and I don't know why I'm not this by now, and I am out of shape by now, and I used to be this by now. Everything's about you. An examination of oneself to levels of success or failure as, design, as, as defined by the world's philosophy and the world's standards of what they say success and failure is. It just eats away at us. This is not an accident. This is not a syndrome. It's not a lacking in your DNA. It's not a deficiency. It's not a problem. It's not an emotional figment of your imagination. You ready? It's sin. It is sin and spiritual warfare. But the psychoanalyst forgot to tell you that part, didn't he? The devil knows not only what to tempt us with, but he knows when. To tempt us with. You see, a lot of guys start fighting with their shape, their mind, their success, their failures in this midlife period of time. And the devil pulls up his sleeves and goes, He's there. So he already knows things that bother you, and now it's just magnified. And so he starts bringing all this stuff into your life. So the devil knows not only what to use against you, but not only, but when to use against you, to get you out of God's will. Remember, everything you do as a born-again Christian is to keep you from doing God's will. And one of the best ways to do that is get your mind centered on you. Because you see, when I'm thinking about me, I can't do His will and my will at the same time. So I'm going to put a lot of emphasis on me during this time. The devil uses the things that are in the world. Maybe we just read that. The world's philosophies. The world's friendships the world's finances, the world's fashions, at a time when we are already reevaluating our life, whether we're a success or a failure, and the devil brings all of this right to our front door. And it works. The Bible tells us the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's all that's in the world. And when you fall in love with that, whatever excuse you may have, the Bible said the love of the Father is not in you. Why? Because that's of the world, not of the Father. The Father's not going to love what's not coming from Him. I want you to turn to Genesis, if you're not already there, chapter number 3, verse number 1. Chapter 3, verse number 1. We just read this, but watch what happens here. I want you to notice down in verse number 6. Now, we read in the New Testament, it says, love not the world. And it tells us why, because all that's in the world is not of the Father. And he then he tells us all that's in the world is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. That's all that the world's about. Now, don't tell me that, that uh, advertising doesn't pay. There are billions and billions of dollars spent on advertisement. And you ask a guy when they see a, a billboard they shouldn't be watching, I don't pay attention to that. Yeah, nobody does. That's why they spend billions of dollars on advertising because nobody's paying any attention. They know it pays attention. Once in the eyes, it's in the head. And they know that. So look at verse number six. A tree good for food, pleasant to the eyes, one to be desired to make one wise. You follow it? You see it there? This is how the devil got Eve pulled away from Christ. She listened. She started reevaluating, thinking she was missing out on something. He actually told her, said, you know, you could be, why didn't God tell you you could be like him? He didn't tell you that, did he? And got her to thinking about it. And then he brought up the question, what really made it sound like God was keeping something from her. Maybe he doesn't love you like you think he does. Isn't that what people do? Why do Christians act that way? Why won't God let me? Like he doesn't love you enough. 
like he doesn't know what's best for you. Now, with all that in mind, good for food, pleasant to the eyes, desire to make one wise, lust of the flesh, pride of life, lust of the eyes. Okay, you got it? Okay, go to 1 John. We were just there. 1 John, way up by Revelation. 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. Drop down to verse 15 and 16. Let's read this again. Whenever you're attracted to the world to pull you away from Christ, don't even, don't even start to reevaluate. It's sinful and it's wrong. Here's what we know. What's it going to hurt? Okay, just because you didn't shoot somebody or rob a bank, that's not all there is to sin. Anything that's not of faith, anything that's not bringing you closer to God is taking you farther from God. Look what it says in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. So the first one he's talking about tree huggers, the next one. Uh, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If a man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You follow that? For or because, verse, seven, verse 16, all that's in the world, lust of the flesh, Wait a minute, remember Eve? We just read about that. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Okay? God said no. Well, this sounds good to me, pride of life. That's what she did. Watch what happens. For all that's in the world, so lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of the light is not of the Father, but is of the world. So I want you to notice lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's not of the Father. You know what he's saying? There's nothing spiritual about the world. Nothing. Don't care how you paint it up. Don't care how you dress it up. Don't care how you excuse it. Don't care how you philosophize over the whole thing. God said, if you love the world, you don't love me. I, my love cannot be in you when you love that whore. He said, but that's pretty hard. No, that's what God said. God said, you go a whoring after the world. God's very serious about this. He's saying, look, you, you are supposed to be betrothed to me. You gave me your life. We're going to get married one day. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And you're out here flirting around and running around with the world. And God said, no, it doesn't work that way. The overriding purpose of this whole thing, this most dangerous time, is to take you out of the battle. Self becomes first. This happens more and more all the time. We're losing Christians left and right because of this problem that we're having. I deserve and why can't I and I don't see anything wrong with it and I've missed out on I, 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 I you go back and read it sounds like the devil when he confronted the Lord so they bury their talents in the world some of your great movie rock and roll type singers you love their songs they hate your Lord they hate your Lord So they bury their talents. You know, a lot of a lot of singers that we say, boy, they're really good. I mean, I know they sing rock and roll, but they're really good. Well, I know they sing hillbilly music, but they're really good. I'm sorry, country music. Uh, and you say they're really good. Do you know where a lot of them got their start in singing? Churches. When they were little. Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, look, they're so cute. And then one day they're up here with a microphone and singing a solo. And then the next thing you know, they're wowing everybody. Next thing you know, the whole choir's backing them up. And then somebody comes along and goes, you're pretty good. And all of that that God put in you, you take and bury out in the world that does not help the Lord or his cause one bit. Happens all the time. Now, the idea behind that is Sandy, Patty, and what was the, the um, who? Say it again. Uh, yeah, but the, uh, the, the big blonde, Swift. She's a whore. She is a whore. Oh, but she can sure sing. She is a whore. Look, you don't sleep around with anybody you want to, and you're a good girl. You don't run around half naked most of the time, and you're a good girl. It just doesn't work that way. A lot of these people got their start in churches and took the talent that God put in them. Instead of using that talent for God, they took it out and buried it in the world 
for themselves. And God said, I'm not for that. Not for it at all. So what did they do? You pull, you pull you away. This, this thing pulls you away from God's will. Your will becomes first. What about me? I deserve some things. Why can't I? I don't understand that. I'm not happy doing this. Why can't I do that? Everything becomes about you, and it pulls you right away from God. You concentrate and are praying and are paying, paying too much attention to self. Uh, when, when life becomes more about you, I don't care how you dress that up, it's sinful. Right when many men are preparing and able, now they can give their life, their finance, their ability, everything to the Lord. Guess where they're at in their life? Midlife. They're at midlife. Somewhere between 30 and later on in years, all this begins to happen to them. Midlife happens. Go to Luke chapter number 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter number 4. It's a most dangerous time. Uh, now, I always like those people that are exception to every rule I bring up. I always like those kind of people. You know why? Because I think they're liars. Luke chapter number 4, I'm not going to read all this, but you may know this story where the devil comes tempting Jesus Christ in the wilderness, right? Now, we're talking about Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God. We're not talking about a guy who goes to church. We're talking about Jesus, the Son of God. No, he didn't have a midlife crisis. He's buried in midlife when he died. But what we do see here is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. You see, he couldn't get Jesus to sin. Uh, my professor and colleague said, because somebody brought that up, said, you mean to tell me Jesus could have sinned? No, it's impossible. He didn't have a sinful nature. But he said this, the devil solicited him with sin because that's what the devil does to everybody. He didn't have any new equipment to use on anybody, so he used the same thing he uses on you, on your Savior. Except you have a sinful nature, and he's playing on that. Are you following me? So here we find this story here, and we find out here, Jesus being full, verse number one, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward was, and I would be hungry. And the first thing he said, the devil approached him. The devil is waiting not just what to use, but when to use it. Now, that's just good warfare, right? I mean, that's what I would do. If I'm trying to take somebody down, it's not just what I have to use. It's when's the best time to use it. Jesus was hungry. You'd be hungry if you didn't eat or drink anything for 40 days, a month and a half. Most of you are hungry if you don't have a sandwich every half hour. But what happened was... Jesus was there, and the devil approached him after he had not eaten. And you know the story here. And the devil said to him, if thou be the son of God, you are, right? I mean, everybody says you are. You claim to be that. Command these stones to be made bread. What's wrong with that? I'm hungry. I can do this. I am the son of God. I can prove it to you. Boom. Bread. So what did Jesus do? You know this story. So the first thing that happens, he said, it is written. Is where Eve messed up. Eve never said, God said, she never said that. She took it upon herself to misquote the Bible and start reasoning with the devil. She should not have done that. Jesus sets the, the, the example by saying, my father said, God said, scripture says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that person. So there's nothing wrong with eating, but if it goes against what God wants, stop it. So the first thing we have here, we come to find out here, the devil is talking about lust of the flesh. He was hungry. Then we come to find out in verse number five, the devil takes him up to a high mountain, show him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, all the powers that I will give thee uh, glory of, and the glory of them. And by the way, he could have. Bible said right now he is the prince and power of the air. He's the God of this age. When he took this up and showed it to God, it's because he could do this. I'll give you all of it. I'll turn it all back over to you. You can have it all. Just bow down. That's all you got to do. Just bow down to me. I'll give it all to you. See, this is what the world does to you. You know, if you'll work on Sundays all the time, we'll give you a raise. Well, here's what you do.
about that. I'm sorry, Mike. There you go. Now, like we do at home. Uh, that's okay. Now, then you go down to verse number nine. He brought him to Jerusalem and set him upon a pinnacle on the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. So we find here, if you look at this, what you're going to see here is lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. He tried to attack Jesus just like he does us. And Jesus, in, in Hebrew, said he was tempted in all points just like we, yet without sin. So when you go through, you know, this is unfair, I can't take it. God said, yes, you can. My son did it. He was in the flesh. He didn't have sinful, but he was, he was approached just like you are. So he showed us that we can overcome this. So we find out here the devil will give you biblical reasons You ever hear me say this all the time? What's it say in context? What does it say in context? So the devil, you read this, he actually used scripture on Jesus. He used scripture. He used Old Testament scripture, and Jesus basically was telling him, uh, you're taking that out of context. That's not what my father said. So a lot of people get themselves into trouble because the devil will use a verse to follow your fleshly desires. He will give you what you really want to hear. But if you read it in context and want to obey the Lord, it's not in accordance with other scriptures. This is what people in the world does. Tell me, explain that verse to me, huh? Tell me that verse right there. Well, let me see what the whole thing, no, 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 no. Let's tell me what that verse right there says. You know, this is one book. It is a book and it all agrees. So if you're teaching me something and over here there's a contradiction, there's something with what you're trying to get me to do. But most people don't look at it that way, but that's what Jesus did, and he's our example. Go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. The devil will use good to get you to do bad if he can. He don't care. He don't care what you think. Chapter 22, go to verse number 24. Luke chapter 22, verse number 24. Now, now we're going to talk about the apostles. Man, these are great guys, right? I'm sure they're, they're living above sin and they do everything right, right? I mean, they're the apostles, filled with the power of God, right? They're following Jesus himself. You won't believe this. Watch what happens. Verse 24. And there was also strife of, oh, that don't sound good. Which of them should be accounted? Strife, pride, right? And the Bible says where there is strife and these kinds of things, you're carnal. You're not spiritual at all. So now we've got these guys following Jesus himself. And the first thing they do, there's strife among them about who's going to be first in the kingdom of God. Hey, Jesus, when you get your kingdom, can I sit on your right hand, my brother sit on your left hand? The other disciples heard about it. They got a little upset about the whole thing. Wait a minute. You're trying to shortcut everything and get there before we do. They hit the roof. And Jesus had to settle the whole thing down. Look at verse number 25. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles, unsaved people, exercise lordship over their people, over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. Verse 26. But ye shall not be so. Striving for position and lording over other people, God said, that's not of me. I don't do that. If you're going to follow me, we don't act that way. Now, here are the disciples chewing into each other about who's going to be first, trying to undermine the other guys before they ask Jesus, could they sit there? Now, watch. Watch what happens. Verse 26. Ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. Younger people in this day hate to break your bubble. Nobody paid attention to them. They were kids. Nobody listened to kids. Only in America do we listen to children. But here he's saying this. If, if you're going to be the greatest, you need to start acting like you're the youngest. He said, why would I do that? Because nobody pays that and it doesn't matter to them. They know their place and it doesn't matter. Watch what happens here. He that is chief as he that doth serve. Boy, that'd take pride right out of you, wouldn't it? Right? I mean, why would you strive with anybody if you're just a servant? Why, why would you boast of yourself when you're just a servant? Servants don't boast themselves. It's just like, I'm just doing what I was told. Okay, good, wonderful. Now, wait a minute, hold on, watch what happens here. Now, watch here, verse 27. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at me, okay, now you're going over to Bob Evans, right? And there you are, and you order a nice breakfast, 
and you think, well, I'm somebody because I can pay for this and I'm ordering breakfast. The server comes along and says, is that all you need? Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Anything else you need, let me know. Now, you would think the person paying the check and the person sitting there is the chief. Jesus said, you need to learn how to be a servant. He said it didn't make any sense. Next verse, ready? Ye are they which, uh, okay, verse 27. For whether is greater, he that says it meet, or he that serveth, is not he that setteth it meet, ready, ready, watch this. But I, uh, sorry, but I am, I am among you as he that serveth. The God of heaven came down and said, let me serve you this. I come down here to help you, not to have you help me. I come down here, I'll wash your feet. I'll help keep you clean. That's what Peter said, like, you're not washing my feet. Jesus said, look, I don't wash your feet. You have no part with me. He wasn't talking about salvation. He said, Peter, you walk through this world, your feet get dirty. It's just the way that it is. That's why people, before you eat, you wash your hands. See, we wear shoes and socks. Back then, they wore sandals, open-toed type of thing. So when they walked through the world, and when they used to eat, many of them would recline at the table. Mm, right? So before they went in, a good guest, even though it's his house, would kneel down, he would at least offer them water and a towel, or in this case, Jesus knelt down and said, I'll wash your feet. Peter said, you're not doing that to me. You're not, no way. Uh-uh, not going to happen. Jesus said, Peter, you listen. If you do not let me help keep you clean, you're going to have part ways. Why? Because you're going to go off in the wrong direction, Peter. You understand, he's talking about the dirt of the world. You know, no matter how you want to live, just walking through this world, you get yourself dirty. Ears, eyes, feelings, right? Just You don't even mean to, but you come back to church, you go, preach, I've had a hard week. Why? I saw this and I heard that and these people were arguing. Just the dirt of the world starts clinging to you. And the Bible said, therefore, by the washing of the water, by the word. The word of God helps keep us clean. But when you say, I don't want to hear that, you act like Peter going like this. Lord, you're not cleaning me up. And Jesus said, wait a minute, we can't walk together unless I do that. So what do we have here? In verse 24, and there are also strife among them. This is not spiritual. When two people are getting at it, when a church is being split because everybody's at each other's throat, everybody's standing their ground, that's not a good church. That's not a spiritual church. That's very bad. When lust of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life are heightened, you know what happens? Aggravation and irritation. Begins that, by the way, that's what happens in your home. Aggravation, irritation. You know why? You think I'm backing down. You embrace the pride of life. You get a bad attitude because you've been watching and listening wrong thing. Lust of the eyes. It's, it, it, it's a biblical principle. It holds true in everything. Strife among, what happens here is strife among close loved ones, wife, children, husband, is what happens when these things begin to affect your life. Now, I'm going to get back to our subject here in a minute. I'm trying to set up a, a, a foundation here. Strife among close friends start. Bus workers, Sunday school teachers. Strife among authorities in our life. Your boss. Doesn't it amaze you? You beg for the job. A month and a half later, you're telling everybody what's wrong with your boss. I have a better idea. I don't know what to help. Just do this. Get it over with. You've never ran a company in your life, but you tell everybody how the company should be run, right? Anybody should know how to do this. Then go build a company. You know what you're doing? You're striving. Probably gossiping and doing a lot of other things, too, you shouldn't be doing. Because in our estimation of self, we've been cheated. I shouldn't be at this level. I should be more than this by now. Right? This is where we start thinking about things, especially the closer we get to that 30 to 60 age right there. So what happens here is simply this. We start pushing and using any and all authority we can get our hands on. Show me. And that looks real silly on a teenager. You little pimple. I'll pop you in a minute. We start pushing and using authority. We think may be ours or wish it was ours so that we can achieve superiority, pride of life. This does not work. 
but only complicates life even more. Your children begin to rebel against you. Now you got a bigger problem. Adult children run away because they won't put up with it anymore. Extramarital affairs are considered and many times followed through. Buying things not needed and can't afford. You're bored with you. You feel like you've been cheated. Boy, if I had more money, hey, wait a minute, I got a credit card. And you go out and do things like that. You're entering into a very, very dangerous time in your life. You start changing your hairstyle, clothes, music, friends, beliefs, churches. You won't fall in line with what God wants. Now, you never say, I don't believe God. You say, I don't like the preacher. Why is it when you don't like me, you go to some place that you can be more worldly at? I've never, un- yeah, but I don't want to go there. No, I don't want to go there. No, I'm not. Go build your own church and tell them. It's a most dangerous time. Now, let me give you some answers for this. Go back to Luke chapter 22 if you're not there. But preacher, what, what am I supposed to do? It sounds like some of the things you're talking about, maybe I'm thinking about or I'm doing already. Do you know how weird it looks? I was watching some football players the other day. And I thought they had long sleeve shirts on. They had tattoos from here all the way off the back. I thought to myself, all of that intricate pattern that you think is so cool, do you know what crepe skin is? That's when it starts getting so wrinkled, it just looks weird. We normally think it's old people gets that, but it isn't. Do you know what's going to happen when all those intricate patterns, that, that, that beautiful picture of your daughter, okay, your mom that passed away, Pretty soon she's going to look like she's old and wrinkled and dead. Skin falls. Biceps become part of the tricep. Chest falls into the drawer. People think you work for a furniture company. <laughs> You'll get it later. Went right over your head, didn't it? You understand? She got it. Thank you, Ms. Bell. God bless your heart. Glad you're here. Let me give you some answers for this. Uh, I went through this. I think I went through it when I was about 28. I think it bothered me that for some reason, don't take this wrong, don't laugh or clap. I just didn't think I was attractive anymore. I just didn't think it mattered anymore. I just didn't think I was what I should be at that time. It bothered me. We have a whole bunch of our people just entering into your 30s. You advertise, you're dreading it, and you're not even there yet. Preacher, I'm going to be 30. What am I going to do when I'm 30? Oh, no, you don't understand how bad this is. Sound like socks, don't I? Oh, preacher, oh, it's terrible. Oh, I don't want to get fat. I don't want to get old. Socks, I don't know how to tell you this. You're going to. It just happens to everybody, right? So you go out and get all these intricate tattoos, and as you get older, that battleship becomes a submarine. That motorcycle, yeah, it drives you now instead of you driving it. But in your mind, to get that attitude out of that situation. Well, he's got a helmet on, so I can't see him. But inside there, he's got a grip. He puts Sarah in the saddlebags, and the kids are back here driving down there. Come on, Mama, let's go for a ride. you got to have an attitude to ride a Harley. Remember that. Number one. Look at verse 26. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. He that is chief, let uh, as he that doth serve. The best way to get pride out of you is for you to humble yourself in your mind. Get your mind off of you. You don't deserve anything. Here's what we do. Our world has set us up. Man, after 30 years, you deserve to retire. You deserve to go to Cancun. You deserve to have a boat. You deserve. What happens when it doesn't happen? We're, dis- we're disappointed. Man, I should have had all of this by now. Who told you that? Who told you this is what you should be by any given age? Jesus said, you know, kings that are unsaved and lord over other people, you're not going to be that way. I'm your Lord, and I wash your feet. I'm your Lord, and I serve you. He's setting the example, saying the way you don't let these things happen to you 
learn how to serve other people and consider yourself. See, here's what we're so worried about being used. I like what Brother Hiles said one time when his wife came to him. She's from Texas. Jack, she said, you know these people just use me. To which Brother Hiles said, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Isn't that great? Did you come here for people to serve you or did you come here to be used by other people? See, we forget that. How many times do I have to be in the nursery? Everybody left, and we had three people cleaning up the fellowship hall. Every man for himself. Nobody asked, so I'm out of here. <laughs> you don't want to be used? You don't want to help? If you're not careful during this mid-age time, it'll begin to build in you. I didn't come here to serve. I came here for the marriage conference. I didn't come here to start a conversation. You think you're something, don't you? Humble yourself. Crucify your flesh. You humble you or God has a great way of humiliating you. Now I'm embarrassed. Now I'm hurting. Now everybody knows. Wouldn't it be better if you just humbled yourself like God said? Instead of being humiliated in front of everybody? No. Right? Number two. Remember your great place of service. Service is a great place. Your Lord became servant. Your Lord became as a common man. The God of everything condescended to men of low estate. He did that. The king of everything brought himself down to help. But somehow we as sinful human beings can't go down one more step to help somebody. I got to be through the door first. Get out of my way. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to knock you down. You and your mom and your sisters and all the little kids. Sorry, my bad. Slow down. Slow down. Is there anybody you can help? One way you want to put yourself in a position of not getting pride, just serve other people. Just do that. Look in verse number 26 again. He says this, but ye shall not be so. You'll not be like them. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, let him be as the servant. God says greatness is in service. Greatness is not in being, wouldn't it be great to have everybody waiting on you all the time? Yes, according to what you're after. What are you after, though? When all of a sudden it dawns on you, you feel like you're missing out on everything. Okay? You're getting fat. You're losing your hair. you're doing? You don't like what God has got right now. You're fussing about it, you're fighting about it, and then somebody goes like this, would you mind helping again? I am so tired of this. What, what do you think? You should be like a king? People should be waiting on you, serving you because you're somebody special? I'm not making fun of you, and I'm not mocking. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not uh, patronizing you. I'm simply saying, this is what goes on in our mind. And now all of a sudden, you add that, I'm getting older. Do I look old to you? That's older people do that. Older people like to talk about their age and their hurts. I can't do that anymore. You want to know why? You know how old I am? Man, I'm telling you, this really hurts and that really hurts. And my feet didn't used to hurt, but my feet hurt now. And the whole time, we hate getting old. And that's all we talk about, right? Younger people are getting older. They go like, yeah, no, I'm going to stay young all my life. No, you're not. Remember your great place of service. God let his son serve others. You want to be like Jesus? You want to forget yourself and be like him? Learn how to serve other people. When you do that, it just takes all the pride and all the air right out of you, and God will begin to bless your life again. Number three, God has a place or a kingdom for you. Look at verse number 29. And I appointed unto you a kingdom as my father hath appointed unto me. He looked at the disciples and said, why are you striving down here? My father's given you a kingdom. Be patient. It's yours. Nobody's going to take it away from you. 
You've got all of heaven. You become an heir with God and a joint heir with everything that belongs to them. God said, you remember when Abraham sent out his servant uh, to find a bride for Isaac? He took some gold bracelets, earrings, and some, some wealth with him, and he said, this is nothing. Everything Abraham has, his son owns too, and it'll be become yours. Her eyes flashed. Beep, beep. She never met the guy. She took off. I know you haven't seen heaven, but you're falling in love with the wrong girl. Do you know she never saw Isaac? She just listened to the servant all the way back there telling about how great her future husband was. I try to tell you about Jesus and how great he is, but you keep staring at this girl out here and think you're missing out. It starts to play on your pride because of the eyes, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And the devil says, you get in heaven. You don't get to hunt that. What do you call those things? Those aren't crow's feet. Those, those are ducks bills right there. You got, you got big feet right there. And you hate it. You hate it. We spend millions and billions of dollars to make ourselves look young. It's not going to help. You're going to get older. And I didn't say throw caution to the wind, you know, and I, that's not what I'm saying. Come on, don't do that to me. God has a kingdom for you. You can't rise any higher than the place God wants you. When you do, you just get frustrated and fuss with everybody about it. He placed you in there. Do not allow your desire to be more to turn you from being used from God. You're going to miss out on everything. Do you know something? I've often thought, boy, what if you could have the wisdom of old age and the strength of youth? Man, why didn't God do that? That's a good point. Why didn't he? Do you know how arrogant I would be right now? To be as smart as I am and be as good looking as I was when I was understand just how hard it would be to get along with me. It's hard to get along with me now, come on. But just think if I had strength of youth and, who said amen? Mike, you're fired. <laughs> to have strength of youth and then have wisdom. Ooh. What if you were still young and were really smart? Yeah. There's the ticket right there, right? Not going to happen. Youthfulness doesn't have wisdom. Older you get, you lose your strength. God planned it that way. So as much as you're going to fight against it, they said you could live another 15 years if you eat this. So you're eating stuff you can't hardly even stand. I'm not going to do that. No way in the world. I'm not eating green stuff or orange stuff or yellow stuff. Not going to happen. You said, but this is good for you. I really don't care. Preacher, but you'll be able to live longer. Who wants to live longer down here? I'm so fed up with this place, I'm thinking about just skipping. No, I'm not. I'm kidding, kidding. Understand, this is the most dangerous time that comes, and the devil knows exactly when it starts bothering you, and he knows what you've given up and what you really desire sometimes, and he'll bring those two things together, and Satan desiring to have you, as he said, Peter, to sift you as wheat. You know when they do that, the wheat, fall, uh, uh, the wheat falls through and the clumps and the dirt and stuff is exposed. So when the Bible says, Peter, Satan desires to have you sift you as wheat, that's not a good thing. It would take a sifter. My mom used to have one of those. Uh, it's like a, looked like a big tin can. It's about that big around. And you put flour in the top of there. And when you pull it like this, there are different layers that do this. And each layer has the holes in it or get a little smaller as it goes down. Sounds confusing. Uh, but it had a thing on the handle. You'd pull the handle like this, and these little plates would go back and forth like this, okay? And the flour uh, that's a little smaller go to the next level. And you keep pulling it, and, and it would sift it. And, it go, and what was left was junk. He said, Peter, the devil wants to show everybody the junk. His desire is to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you. Peter had to learn to put his pride aside. I'll go to the grave for you. I'll die for you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. That'll never happen. Pride of life. He meant well, but he didn't understand what he's talking about. So the answer would be Romans. Go there and I'm done. Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter 13. This is, don't believe psychologists, just because 
just because they've got a lot of degrees after their name, so does a thermometer. Is that what you think? Oh, he's got a degree. Oh, he, he's got, it says he's, he's graduated from, and all of a sudden we're so impressed with them. You know all that means? They just didn't quit and barely got through it. Now, whoa, they must really know. No, they just struggled and got through somehow. Now we think they're a genius. I'm not against education. We have a school here. I went to school in Lake Mills. Actually, now I'm not. So anyway, look in Romans chapter 13, verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you want people to see you? Kind of disgusting. Let's think about that. Jesus or see me? So the Bible says here, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Lust is simply a strong, lust isn't always a sexual thing. Lust means strong desire. You can have a lust for money, lust for power, lust for notice. There's all kinds of, all, all lust is when the Bible talks about lust. You can lust the lust of the Holy Spirit. He has a strong desire to be in the Holy Spirit. So there's good lust, there's bad lust, but most of the time it's a bad lust. It's a strong desire to have something I want real bad, something I want to look at real bad, something I think I have a right to real bad. It's a strong desire to have. But the Bible said put on Jesus Christ. Most of the time, what is reality and perception of reality is just in our imagination. been to Hawaii, you know how expensive, well it's all burned down now, but you know how expensive that place is? Actually my wife and I have been to Maui, it's beautiful it really is a gorgeous place well it used to be somebody burnt the thing down but I don't care, it's a piece of charcoal it really is but somehow we think if I were there I could be, if I had this I could be, you know I should be, you're getting set up and the best time to do that is in this midlife crisis time when it already, your flesh has already bothered you that, you know, I should have been. I'll tell you one story and I'm done here. Uh, no, I won't. Go to Second Corinthians. I told you this story before. I was listening to the radio one day. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter number 10. <coughs> couldn't believe what I was hearing. No, it wasn't on the radio because I saw the guy. It was an interview on a talk show or something one day, and it, I was intrigued by this, and they started telling this story, and the guy that was there was a good-looking man. I keep saying that. I'm not attracted to men. Get over it. But he was a good-looking guy, and um, uh, his wife was there. She was gorgeous. And they had two beautiful kids. I mean, blonde hair, blue-eyed, not a mark on him, just gorgeous children. And he's telling this story. And they said that what he did, he tried to kill himself. And the guy said, why? And he said he went out to San Francisco Bridge. Now, you jump from there. Hitting water at that height is like hitting concrete. And so they asked him, he said, why? He was a successful businessman. Most of us would consider that. But he wasn't what his peers, what he thought his peers he drove a BMW, a new one, beautiful kids, wonderful wife, lived in a great part of town, great job. He thought he was a failure. He said, I should be more than this guy here. In his own estimation of himself, he should be greater than what he was at that point in his life. This is what the world has set you up to believe. By the time you're 25, you should be making this much money. By the time you're 35, you ought to be considering retiring. By the time you're 50, you should be able to travel the world. And we buy into that stuff. It doesn't happen, we're disappointed. We're just absolutely thrown So look, guess what happens? It starts, give or take, 30 to 60. Three to 10 years it normally lasts. We can't get this stuff out of our head. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Drop down to verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, 
you know what that is? In World War II, uh, we were going to these islands and stuff to fight the Japanese. Anybody, anybody know what those were? Yeah. And uh, what they did, they built what they called pillboxes. And what they did long before we ever got there, they dug in real deep. They fortified with steel and concrete because they said, when they come here, this is going to be a strategic place. We're going to have it out. So they reinforced this area in their life. You follow me? You understand? Look up here. You've seen people go over this way. Listen. So what happens is this. When the, when the allies got there, we couldn't hardly get them out. I mean, we had to go in there and we wasted a lot of lives just to kill these people so we could move forward. And the Bible talks about the strongholds of your mind. Some of us, from the time we were little kids, were taught this is right and that's wrong. Then you run into a preacher like me, and he goes, no, that's wrong and this is right. And you go, what? I've never heard that before. Now, what happened was the world, the flesh, and the devil knew that one day you're going to be confronted with truth. If that ever happens, we're really going to dig in. We're really going to dig in, and we're going to solidify in your mind that this is right. I don't care what God says. I've always believed this. You've been taught that since you were little. Now, all of a sudden, some preacher gets up and goes, that's not what God says. What? And we fuss with that. The devil knew that one day you're going to run into some truth, and he's ready. He sets you up. Now I'm at this age where I'm feeling very insecure about myself. I, I'm missing out on something. I deserve more than what I have. And this is all I'm ever going to have. Midlife, we get settled. So watch what he says. Look at verse number five. Verse number six. Verse number four. For the weapons of our warfare, he's talking to Christians, are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're, they're, a Christian, you can't act like the world and, and pull this off. You can't do it. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse five. Casting down imaginations. Where does that take place? Look up here. It's what you imagine. I should be this by now. Is that what you imagine? Why can't I have this by now? It doesn't even have to be true, but to you and your imagination, it's true. Watch what he says. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, that's the Bible, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience. So thoughts, imaginations, God said, let me help you understand something. When you yield to God, you can take those things that should not be in there and put them where they belong. The way you do that is by putting this in there and saying, wait a minute, that's not true. And those strongholds, you can blow them right out. The devil's waiting for you right here. It's a battle for the mind. Whoever controls the mind controls the person. That's why this is called the head. Whatever, who, whoever is controlling this is controlling you. So we send our kids to public school and the public teach them. We send them to the woman down the street, nice lady, but she knows nothing about the Bible, and teaches your kids her values. And all this gets stuck in their head. And it just keeps piling on, being reinforced as they get older. And then they run into me. Or the truth. And they go, wait a minute. That's not what I was told. No, I can't believe that. You mean telling my mom lied to me? No, your mom probably didn't lie to you on purpose. She just didn't know the truth. She was telling you what she thought was true. And you fell for it because you didn't know any better. And now you run into truth. God said, let God be true and every man a liar. So now you run this, you go, wait a minute. Stronghold starts fighting. Now you're not taking over, man. I believe this ever since I was a kid. I know now. And the way that you're going to overcome this, folks, listen. You're putting stuff in your child's college fund so they can go party for five or six years. Why in the world would you do that? Because the world taught you that. Watch this, ready? Life insurance. No, it's not like it's death insurance. You're going to give money to a bunch of kids and family members that could really care less about your God, about the Bible, what you do, because you've been told that's the right thing to do. Well, you're getting real quiet on me now. I really am going after those strongholds, right? The same thing with certain ways we dress. Certain things we think are right and wrong. I would just ask you to do this. Where in the Bible does it say you can do that or shouldn't do that? Just show me. And I will show you why I believe what I believe. Ready? Fine. So what does he say? Casting down imaginations, bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. Got to renew your mind.
on this. You follow me? So what happens during this time, whether you're raising a Christian home or not, it's a spiritual warfare. And the devil says, I can't get him here as a child because his parents watched over him. I can't get him over here because he's a good Christian church. And now I, oh, he's not bothered by getting older. Light of life. Got him. I know how to set this boy up. And that's what he does. And we fall for this. And then you look at your husband. You go, what's wrong with you? And he's got on his skinny jeans. Right? And his muscle shirt. No muscles came with the shirt. So there you go. And you think to yourself, what is wrong with you? What are you talking about? Nothing wrong with me. And, and that's what you do, right? And you think, and your wife looks at you and goes, honey, I think you're very attractive. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I feel bad. Well, you think you're, you're, you're Arnold Schwarzenegger the rest of your life, right? <laughs> However he does that, like whatever, you know, like whatever. And you think to yourself, this is why love is blind. Aren't you glad? Good thing it's not 2020 because a lot of us would be out of the picture, right? Folks, listen to me. Some of you, I'm worried about you because you're getting to that point where you start reevaluating your life. Whether it's made up or real, I should have been this by now. Had I only done this, had I finished that up, I should have accomplished this by now. And the way you value yourself or make that evaluation is by all your peers and how they have or have not. You're thinking way too much about yourself. God is the God of his children. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. Just let God take care of things. But whether they do at work, is this all you're going to be all your life? The, one of the worst things you can do is meet up with old college people. Hey, I hear you in Columbus. What are you doing there now? Oh, I'm in a youth group full time. Wow, how big's the youth group? Four. working on his pride right off the bat. <laughs> Brother Cordry, hey, since you and your wife graduated from Howell's Anderson, what are you guys doing with Brother Bell? I've heard about him. Man, I heard he's really something. What are you doing there? Oh, I, I watch over the school there. You're watching over a school? Man, that's great. How many have in school? 24. Oh, here's a disappointment. Now, they've never done anything, but it works on you. And the older these guys get, how old are you now? 30? 30. Oh, too late. He still has years to go yet. Brother Cordry's like, what, 18 or something? I don't know. I hope he's not watching. It's going to bother you. I'm just telling you, it'll happen. Our world is setting you up to fall for something that's in your imagination. You think you really should outdo everybody around you just because? You don't have to be a failure. Look, when you're a servant, People expect a lot out of me. You're a servant. Just serve. I was downstairs last night. I'm quitting. And uh, somebody made a comment. And here's the comment they made. Ready? Uh, well, everybody's in a hurry to get out of here. There's only us left. Now, two things happen. First of all, that shouldn't have been said. Number two, aren't you glad you're there? stay. Okay, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to make a point. Both of them got set up. The people who think they snuck out and they didn't have to do anything and the people who stayed and followed. The devil's gunning for you. And this midlife crisis, we're already questioning our value, what we should or shouldn't be by now, our shape, our finances, everything about us. most dangerous part of time. Now, we went through this whole marriage conference. I've talked about families. I've talked about the husband. I've talked about the wife. I've talked about what God says. I've tried to hit from every angle I possibly could. But sometimes there are things that take place that nobody ever tells you about. And you think you're peculiar to this. You're not. 80% of men, look at me, 80% of men, 80%, that's high percentage, will go through something very similar to what I just said. Sometime between your 30, that's most of you are getting there, to 60. You said, old people like that? Do you think old people die at 50? 
It doesn't matter to them anymore just because they're 50. Are you kidding me? They have a lot of pride. Yeah, I can still run and play football. You tripped going down the steps the other day. What are you talking about? But this is, it's our imagination. It's what we think, right? We can still do that. Trouble is your chest is down here now, and you're bent over. You walk like Jerry after a hard day at the concrete. You ever watch Jerry work? The first time you watch him work. He lays concrete all day long. And when he's done, he does this. I'm thinking, man, you look like you was hurt just walking. What are you, like 50-something? I don't know. What? Midlife crisis right there, right there. That's an example. Midlife crisis right there. What's the big, ladies, what's the big deal about 30? Seriously. You know what's going to happen as soon as you turn 30? It's going to be 30 years one day. You know what's going to happen after that? 30 years, two days. Yeah, but nobody will think I'm pretty. Well, you're not going to say that. <laughs> I won't say it. I was going to say, who thought you were? Never mind. Uh, yeah, I thought that was funny too. Listen to me. If the devil can't get you to do something absolutely, openly, filthy, wrong, sinful, he'll sneak through the back door. Thank you.